Hello and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London's Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women. I'm your, I don't know what number host. At this point, there's way too many host accounts. But you know what? We're back. I'm back. It's Abdullah. Uh, and today joined by Mia Eriksson, our, basically our favorite Swedish person ever. So, you know, it's, it's, there's no one, no one else taking that title from you. Um, and we're here to kind of check in and kind of see what proved to be a less than delightful final for the Blues uh, in the World Cup final. And while Jesse might be hit with the Blues, um, we'll be discussing the other Blues in this pod to see if they're, how good of Blues they're going to be at the, in the next season. I completely butchered that, that, that intro, but you know what? It's fine. We're going to move on with it because I'm not doing a third take uh, in general. Um, Mia, welcome to the podcast. Um, How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm having, you know, I, I feel kind of World Cup hangover or something. I, I'm not sure. Uh, it's been four weeks, very hectic. Um, and now uh, I'm back to my, I, I, I don't know if we're going to say real job uh at the municipality organization in Linköping or if daytime it's daytime job we call it the daytime know, yeah, job we call it the daytime job um so i'm back uh and actually i don't know if i i dare to say this but it's it's quite nice to go back to real life also actually yeah it's it's not too bad i mean i was in my day job for the entirety of the four weeks um watching games as if some people did follow on Twitter or X, as they call it now, um, I was stealing meeting rooms and 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 hiding away in cabins and on my on my monitor at work just to kind of watch games during the group stages and in the morning because everything kicked off between five a.m. and eleven a.m. my time. Um, and a shout out to my some of my colleagues who helped me watch the game. They were like, "Just just go watch in that room." And then you know I think things were great. So yeah, I got, I got away with it. The most part, luckily, my boss was off for three weeks during this World Cup. Pure coincidence. It's fantastic. He doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to this. No, podcast. he doesn't listen to this spot. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't think okay. he even knows that I podcast. He knows I've written books, but he doesn't know that I podcast. So he isn't gonna come on here and and, and find out. Um, but uh, though I will say, people should not have booked those meetings while I was uh, watching. Anyway, I digress. It's too much about with the work life. Mia, overall tournament thoughts, what did you think? Obviously, you just said we've kind of done with the World Cup. What were your thoughts of the entire World Cup as a whole? Well, I think it was, it, it has been a, a great tournament uh, to watch, like both as a neutral for some games and uh, when you really want your team to win, it's been, it's been great games. Um, you know, you get all sorts of feelings uh, from from watching women's football like this. Like, it's really been, um, yeah, it's really been an amazing experience, uh, even in front of the TV. I think. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a super fun World Cup. I mean, for me, it was um, basically four years since I started watching and kind of got myself really into uh into women's football so it was it was a nice uh sort of anniversary for me but it was just such a fun world cup there were, there were so many new teams that came through and and a lot of a lot of teams performed and uh, a lot of teams didn't perform and i think we we got a good mix of new teams coming up and 
and kind of new contenders in, in, in the world of football. Australia is, is obviously definitely one of them now where we always thought they were dark horses of tournaments. And now I think we can truly say that they're a, they're, they're a top, top team that can, that can start fighting for uh, the top prizes in, in international football. But uh, I also thought that the level of tactical insight and, and the way teams improve their tactical game and knowledge and, 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 and adjustments. I thought the whole tactical level of the tournament was much, much higher than I've ever seen it before. Um, we saw some new new tactics come into the pitch and I just thought overall um, we had a great World Cup in uh, in that sense. So yeah, it's super interesting World Cup. I'm kind of sad that it's over and it's like, it's like it just started, it's already ended and now you got to be like, I've got to wait another four years for the World Cup. But listen, the Olympics is in 2024. The next year is in 2025. And then we only have to wait till 2027 for the next World Cup. Only one summer in the next, you know, four years where we kind of have nothing going on. So we'll enjoy some club football between now and then. A little bit of international international tournaments in between. But, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, let's get into it. So the first things first, we're going to go and break down the final and kind of talk about what we saw, what we didn't see. And, uh, yeah, let's go from there. So... Mia, the final, what did you think? First of all, first impression thoughts. What did you think of the final? Where did it go right? Where did it go wrong? Well, I think it it kind of, you know, it was a very interesting uh, final in terms of what teams uh, that were going to go in and play that final. I'm going to start there. Because the thing is that you could really feel that England didn't have the flow that they had at home uh, during the Euros last summer uh, because they didn't lose one game uh, back then um, and then they won won the whole tournament. But then the thing is that Spain, they got into a real bump against Japan uh, and then they played like England did last summer uh, throughout the knockout outstage. So I think it was a very well-deserved win. Uh, I mean, this is what we we all been waiting for, right? Uh, for Spain to like unleash uh, the great talent uh, and the brilliance that we know uh, is there uh, in that team and among the players. Um, so I think it was a great deserved uh, win for them. But uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, English fans uh, weren't like it was like a bittersweet tournament for England. Kind of, they showed glimpses of the potential that we know that they have. But in 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 the final, Spain was the better team uh, in so many aspects that I'm pretty sure that you can can talk us through. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my thoughts in general are that the the final itself, I think, was, I think, I think it's safe to say it was, pra- it was pretty one-sided for the most part. If we look at it from, from, from like an overview, I think it was pretty one-sided in terms of the way Spain dominated. And, and I agree with you. I, th- I think to some extent we were kind of waiting for this Spanish side to kind of be the Spanish side that we know. I know there's a little bit of biasness in terms of the fact that it's it's usually been a Barcelona heavy Spanish lineup. You know, you've got your Alexias, your Aitanas, uh, and and what's not in kind of 
the, the majority in the spine of the team has been Barcelona with the few Real Madrid and, and Levante Atletico Madrid players kind of uh, making up the rest of it. But arguably, if you look at it, last year's Euros squad for Spain was a lot stronger than than they were this year. And yet this this team, for whatever reason, started off slow. And at one point, probably in the group stages, I don't think anybody was thinking that they were going to go and win it, even though there were some, fav- some people calling the favorites because... The way that they lost to Japan 4-0 was like, well, Japan are going to win this World Cup, but Spain are not going to win this World Cup. And then suddenly it was the complete opposite, where Spain just, I think they just grew in stature as the tournament went on. And um, and, and and they just kind of got to the final and peaked at the right time, where I think with England, I think it was just a, it was, it was a similar case for me, I think, with England, where they had a, they had a slow start. Yes, they won all their games. They... Fact, I mean, they didn't lose anything. They just kind of won all their games, but I thought the performances weren't great. I think they were they were good when they switched to the three five two, but even then there were still questions to be asked. They didn't really. I mean, except for China, they didn't really go and blow teams away the way they did the Euros. You know, the Euros you almost felt like like you said, in their own full flow where when even they went when even when they went one nil down to Spain in that in that quarterfinal, I was like. There was always hope that England would come back. And when Ella Toon scored, you were almost like, yeah, that's it. I mean, like, now they've got the ascendancy. They'll go ahead and they'll probably go and win it. And then obviously, Georgia Stanaway's goal from last season was uh, was a big one. And then this time, it just kind of felt really, really off and, and really like, you know, there was something about them that wasn't as fluid as I thought they would be. Um, but, and I guess that comes down to the injuries, right? That was a big talking point before. It was... No Leah Williamson, no Beth Mead, no Frank Kirby. And these were three players that were hugely influential last year. I mean, Leah Williamson from the back in terms of her passing and defending. Um, then you've got uh, Frank Kirby, who was kind of like the hub as that number 10, kind of being, being creative and scoring goals and assists and kind of doing everything at once. Um, and then Beth Mead, obviously a top goal scorer and really giving you that extra threat off the, uh, off, off the wide areas, which... Which would have which would have helped, um, but overall I think, you know, uh, it was. I think both teams kind of had similar trajectories. I just think that Spain peaked at the right time, and then England just didn't just didn't get up to that level that Spain had in in the final. Um, so I mean, let's quickly kind of touch on uh, Millie Bright and Jess Carter, who started the game. Um, before we go into Lauren James, what did you think of England's defensive performance in the final? Obviously, they played in a back three. Then they moved into a back four. Obviously, Jess moved out to the fullback position eventually. And then with Millie Bright in the middle with Alex Greenwood. How did you kind of see that play out from an England perspective, especially with those their performances specifically in both systems? What, what did you think of, of their performance? Yeah, I think I actually said it before the semifinals that I thought that England had, you know, like the best defense. Um, from the teams that were left. If you're just going to, you know, break out one unit uh, in a team to look at it. But because when you see a team like Spain, they play a good defense all over because the team in general and as a whole is too good. Uh, but but to me, I said it the last time I was on here, um, I'm, I'm so impressed by Millie Bright. For the fact that she she just came back from from a knee injury, she didn't play much during the spring, and then come in to to lead um, 
England to a World Cup final. That's just one thing. You could see that you was rusty at the beginning of the tournament, uh, but that's that's no nothing strange about that. But then we have Jess Carter. Oh my God! Uh, I think what you just said here also about the fact is that you start with a back three, um, and then okay, let's switch to a back four, and you you will be the full back. What a player! I mean, that's. I can't even I can't even imagine um, what it must be like to be Emma Hayes now when when a new season starts, because is is Jess Carter really a player you can leave out after a tournament like this? If you're going to look at I mean Kadisha Buchanan's uh, performance with Canada, I know it's it's a completely different thing to play in in the national team and in the club team i know all that and and canada had their their own battle off the pitch that i'm pretty sure uh, affected them more than they probably wanted uh, it to do but i mean i'm going to ask you this now uh, can you leave jess carter out of a chelsea starting lineup uh, 2023 after a performance like this? Okay, the short answer is no, you can't. And I think that's kind of been a little bit of a theme of this tournament. I think players that we thought were on the fringes of the Chelsea first team have proven themselves to be undroppable to an extent. And there are players who you thought were normally starters, you're like, well, do you really deserve to start because you've been inconsistent for X amount of time? And you've, you've kind of seen that either or there's no one really been in between that you kind of been like i you know i can see your position you stay where you are either someone's gonna really should be starting or someone should be dropped right and i I agree with that comparison i think yeah i think i think while millie bright's exceptional performances in this world cup i think they were almost expected like you almost knew that she would do this because this is what she's capable of we've seen it for so long and i think the best thing about millie is just the consistency and the high-level performances that she's been giving, especially you referenced it coming back off that injury, to to perform at this level, to lead the to lead her country out mentally and physically, go through an entire World Cup tournament for a month, playing every couple of days, playing every minute of every single game practically, and putting in a performance after performance that warranted almost like you know, second, third best player on the pitch every single game across all 22 players that played is an unbelievable feat. But the fu- the funny thing is we expect that from, from Millie Bright. But with Jess Carter doing a very similar thing where she practically played every single game, you know, she was, I mean, amazing. For, for someone 18 months ago, and I think I said this on the last time I was on, for someone 18 months ago, we were all questioning going, is she even worth staying at the club she's not a fullback she's not really a center back she's not quick you know question marks over whether she's developing and you go back to that clip of that keeps getting replayed from the documentary that emma hayes asked jess carter where do you want to be in the future in a couple of years time she won't play for england but she's like but when like are you ready she's like no i'm not ready i, I know i don't know when i need to be ready to go she's like no you need to put in the work you need to do this and that was what two two and a half years ago and Seems like that advice works. She put in the work and we're seeing the the benefits now of her taking her team to a final of a World Cup and not just kind of being this sort of bit part player who's just kind of come on and played maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes or, you know, just kind of come in for something. Oh, she's played a, 
an integral part of um of this of this team in a back three where people are calling her to be in the team of the tournament and and, and arguably probably i would even say england's best player uh overall just because of the impact that she's had especially playing across two three different positions um so i think i think it was i think it was just cards for me it was fantastic but let's let's move on to lauren james very quickly what did you think of lauren james in the final i want that's that's both things i think first in the final and then uh kind of her role kind of evolution from from kind of maybe the first game to the final because she's obviously played as the 10 but she's played as a 10 in the 4-3-3 and she's also played as a 10 in the 3-5-2 and obviously the whole red card situation happened you know but yeah what did you think of of, of Lauren Jane specifically in this game and then let's take it to a wider context I think she really made a difference for England uh, in the final in terms of the fact that she she is so good uh, to hold on to the ball like she may not have the space when you play against Spain to to carry it forward, but just the fact that you you can have time to breathe on the ball and in possession with a player like Lauren James, I think that she she's probably the only player in England uh, with those abilities. So that's what I saw. Even though England didn't create as much as you might have wanted if that makes any sense but I do think overall that what we have seen from Lauren James here is what Emma Hayes has been talking about all along since she came to Chelsea that this is a player that needs time time to grow both in mind and on the pitch with the ball and you know the whole package the thing is that what you see when Emma Hayes writes a column in the Telegraph uh, about that Sarina Wichmann needed to start her, uh, include her in the starting lineup, that just a couple, couple of months back, she didn't start for Chelsea when they played Barcelona. But now maybe you could see why uh, she didn't start Chelsea all the time. There's no doubt that she will be become probably one of Chelsea Football Club's best players uh, in the history, in time. Uh, and right now, I do think that we should should think about that and enjoy these great moments that she produces on the pitch. Uh, it, it just needs a little bit of nurturing and to reach that consistency both on and off the pitch, if that makes sense. Because to me, even if if the red card situation appear occurred on the pitch, obviously, um, it's still like wasn't in the game with Lauren James with the ball uh, at her feet. It would was a like it was a bad moment. Uh, could happen to the best, even if it was a bad thing to do. Obviously. But I do think that both Chelsea fans and Lionesses fans are in for treat uh, the coming years. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think she's just proven herself to be this this fantastic player. And I think I think probably the only the only player alongside 
um, Carol Walsh, who just reminds, who just has this innate technical ability that that the other English players just don't have, and it's nothing. It's no knock on them in terms of oh, you know, they're just not good. No, no, no. They're all fantastic players um, in their own right and the way they play. But just when you look at the way. Lauren James and Kira Walsh hold on to the ball, dribble with the ball, pass the ball, their, their their ability to spot space. And it's unreal. And Lauren James has kind of just become, at, and especially at her age, to just become this, this, this ball magnet and someone you can build a team around. Yeah, I mean, if she, I mean, at this age, if she's showing so much ability and so much uh, now swear, you know, her international manager and her club manager, you regard her as like one of the top prospects in the world. And, a player that they want to build around as a game changer, as someone who can come in and just just win a game on her own. It's 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 scary to think what she does when her prime at the age of 25, 26, 27, when she's you know at, at full uh, full speed and and, and full uh, full experience. And I thought she I thought I thought she did I thought she did decent in the final. You know I think I think the entire team struggled. So I mean it was in comparison. Like, All right, fine. So she did what she had to do, um, and. But I think her impact in general in the tournament, I think it would it will come good to her. I think the whole tournament, the good and the bad, will, will keep her in good stead going forward into into the um, you know into the future tournaments. And and I think I think England have a really good core of young players that they can now rely on and, and build around. You know, you still got Russo to Neve Charles, who's on the bench as well. Lauren James, Lauren Hemp. Um, you know, Kira Walsh, all these players are still young. And that's the core that when England want to build her on. And if they want, obviously, different options as num- as number 10s. I mean, if as far as it goes, depending on Frank Kirby's fitness, let's assume for one second Frank Kirby still plays for England in a couple of years' time. I would take her any day of the week. You got Frank Kirby, Ella Toon, and Lauren James. Three different profiles, equally as amazing at the number 10 position. How do you, how do you play? How do you choose who to play? Who do you drop? Like... I don't. I don't even know how you make that decision. So, um, but Lauren James, I think, is just making a case that she has to be starting as number one, number ten for uh, for England, and it's it'll be interesting to see what system Serena Vigman takes from now on because the three five two got them to a final. But is it the the best formation to get the best out of um, out of England? You know, maybe you do because teams are always just going to mark Kira Walsh out. But when you've got two sixes, it kind of helps her. Lauren Hemp looked like a world beater as a second striker next to someone else, next to Russo. And then you can almost play like a natural number 10 in behind them. So there is, there is pros and cons, but that's something to see. But yeah, overall, Spain did what Spain do and uh, they smashed it. Anyway, we're going to take a quick ad break here and we're going to be right back. And we're back. Okay, so I think I think it's only fair if we quickly just brush on the third place playoff between Australia and Sweden. Um, Mia, listen, you watched this one with greater intensity than most people with with your personal investment of of the Swedes playing. But kind of give me give me your quick take and, and overall thoughts on on the game and then both on Sweden and Australia in 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 general. Well, uh, I I'm gonna admit this now that uh, I was so nervous when I saw that Sweden was gonna play Australia uh, for the bronze medal. Uh, I said to many of my friends before um, the semifinals 
it were played that if Sweden would end up in that situation, I I kind of hope that it was going to be England and not Australia that they were going to play because, I mean, an Australian team on home soil that just had lost a semi-final, they will be going at all like gears uh, to to bring home uh, a bronze medal uh, and a medal for their country. Uh, but the thing is that, I mean, Sweden Sweden did so good in that bronze medal game. Like, I think it was one of the best games that they played all tournament, obviously, uh, apart from the game against Japan. Um, it was also so nice to see Sechiro Musovic, uh, like, show that she was so confident. Uh, in this game like there is I think it was at the end of the game she claimed the ball like in the air because I think that was Australia that had a free kick uh, that they crossed uh, in into the box that Sachira claimed and that was one of the things that you know when you've seen her play uh, during the tournament with Sweden that you wanted you know that you wanted to see those claims like with with her hands and, and then she showed it uh, at the end of the game when when in all the other games that Sweden had, had played, it was kind of chaotic, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But in this game, there was no doubt that Sweden, Sweden was never going to let that bronze medal get away. I think also it's it's very interesting to look at Australia um speaking about a player like Sam Kerr, uh, who returned for the semi-final in the starting lineup. And to me, I can't help but thinking what that did to Australia, uh, if that makes any sense. Because they had been forced to play without Sam Kerr up till the semi-final. And then she returned. And all of a sudden, you could see some you you could see that the that Australia relied on Sam Kerr in a way that they played and passed the ball hoping to reach her so she could decide the outcome of the game like because obviously I think that she she would have deserved that uh, to be that player for Australia but I mean come on she had been injured uh, I think she said that she had only been in full practice for three or four times throughout the tournament. Uh, and then to come in and score that goal that she did against England, that was phenomenal, like really, really beautiful goal. But you could also see that, okay, it got me thinking that, I mean, she has been injured, wasn't fully fit. And when you're not fully fit like that you also make mistakes so it was like Australia head coach Tony Gustafsson said uh, after the semi-final against England that okay we had a great opportunity to score and make it 2-2 just I think it was a couple of minutes later it was 3-1 to England and it was pretty obvious that going in to that bronze game to, to face Sweden Australia hadn't recovered from the semi-final 
Well, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I think that's um, that's one thing. I think I think it was supposed to be Sam Kerr's tournament. The injury came at the wrong time. Things didn't happen. Did they rush her? Did they not rush her? Obviously, I think she she was still really good. But there was another level or two. I think we could have had of Sam Kerr and. That I mean that, but that goal against England in the in the in the, in the semis was was unreal. So overall, though, I think I think it's I think it's just been a good good tournament for both teams. Sweden again would have loved to have been in the final, but um, it wasn't meant to be. It's okay. You've got the Olympics and you've got the Euros. Just get that gold medal, and we see we see what happens from there. We're gonna go. We're gonna face Spain like in only it's a few a weeks. Month. Yeah, a few weeks. It's like <laughs> so a month it's away. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It'd be a good test, though. I, I mean, I, I'd be I'd be keen to see how that matchup would have put, would have put play out and 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 what 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 each team does. So I'll be keen to see that. Um, yeah. All right, let's quickly go into the next part. So right, me, we're gonna do some player ratings for all the Chelsea players that were at the World Cup, which I believe there were nineteen players at the World Cup. Um, we're going to keep this relatively quick fire for the ones that we've talked about and maybe extend a little bit more for the ones that we haven't that, that should be talked about. So we're going to start off with England very quickly because England, we're in the final, so let's just go with that. I'll give you the name of the players and I'll give you my kind of rating, A, B, C, D, and then you can kind of give the same. And I think generally we can say A is amazing, you know, B is pretty good tournament, C is okay, could have been better and d is like they just didn't have a good tournament for whatever reason we just kind of maybe state some reason so for me it's like there's okay so there's jess carter millie bright lauren james hannah hampton and neve charles for for england i gave jess carter an, like an a star because i thought she was like amazing right we've, we've listed the reasons give millie bright an a because you just come to expect these sort of performances from her i gave lauren james a b B B minus maybe just because of the red card and that in, in that inexperience that she showed over there. You know, for me, I thought you know, I think she could have battled an A if she had played the rest of the tournament. I think that would have been on course for it, but uh, she'll learn. And obviously for Hannah and for Neve Charles, that doesn't apply because they basically barely played. Neve Charles got on the pitch, but you know, for a few minutes here and there. Kind of, what are your ratings for, for these same five players? Yeah, I'm going to be very boring and say that I agree with you completely <laughs> uh, on these players, actually. All right, fine, fair enough. There's nothing wrong in, in, in agreement. Um, all right, we're going to go on to Australia, Sam Kerr. I, despite everything, I still gave Sam, I think, a B plus just because whenever she did come on, she just had an impact. And she scored the all important equalizer in the um in the semifinal. And in every game that she came on, she just scared defenders with her movement, with her running. She was just there. The only reason I wouldn't give her anything higher than a B is injury. She just didn't play enough minutes, I think, overall. And um there was still another gear, like we said, we could we could go up. What about you? I will give her a B, but with a star instead of a plus. Because yeah. of the goal. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. A goal. That goal was. Yeah. I will do that. That Final was like. Star. The thing is also, we aren't uh, that surprised that that goal is up for the contender uh, for the goal of the, of the tournament. Because, yeah, I, I think, I think they'll give it. Um, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. I, I think, they'll, I think they'll give it. This is such a good goal. All right. Let's go to 
Germany because I think they surprised all of us by getting out of the group stages and obviously we had AKB uh, Sajuk Nuskin and Melanie Leupels there you can't give AKB anything she just, just didn't play so it's tough for goalkeepers who aren't you know second third choice um, what did you think of Leupels and Nuskin in, in, in the World Cup what, did, what, what would you give them I'll let you go on this first I think Germany is this is a tough cookie because to me they didn't play good like no no player sort of stood out maybe of this player that you mentioned now so I would probably give them like I I I thought that Loipolz was good when she played but it's so hard because of of it's Germany. Come on. Uh, they are big, strong Germany. So I would say, I would actually say a C on both of them. So that's great because I gave them the exact same rating. I gave them both Cs here. So yeah. I have the same. Yeah, same. I mean, I think Leupold obviously started the first game. They played. She was in for Lena Oberdorf because Lena Oberdorf was, was injured. Uh, Nuskin came in and played center back because injuries and things like that. And I think the grand scheme of things, the Germany performances didn't come down to their performances specifically. I mean, like they played, but they didn't play enough to have an overall impact on the side. Like if you look at like an Alex Popper, Lena Oberdorf, Lena Oberdorf didn't have the tournament that you'd expect her to have like she did at the Euros. She was amazing at the Euros. Um, Pop continued her thing, but that's why I think giving them a C is the like, all right, fine. Like it's still a good uh it's a it's it's they they oh they did okay for what they for what they what they were at now i think probably the most disappointing team and set of players that i for me personally is is canada because it's just like every time you think these guys teams are world beater and then they just come through it's like they just disappoint and obviously we had fleming ashley lawrence new signing and and, and kitty should be canon i gave them a cc and a d buchanan with the d because i just Another poor performance, set of performances from, from Kitty Buchanan. She, um, you know, she just wasn't up to her usual standards. And, and we've been seeing this for the last season. And I don't know, is this now time where we say, sorry, Kitty Buchanan, you are not first choice at Chelsea anymore. It's all about Jess Carter because, you know, we've talked about this before. The performances at the World Cup are going to have some bearing on what happens at the start of the season. So what are your thoughts? It has to have impact. On, I mean, otherwise I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be disappointed for Jess Carter. Um, yeah, I I actually agree with you. I think the thing is, to me, out of these players, Jesse Fleming, she showed showed something. You we talk about the badge when we speak about clubs, but I think she showed the same kind of energy playing for Canada because she really wanted them to to make it and yeah. it shows on the pitch like that but performance wise yeah they didn't reach level um, at all so I, I kind of agree with you on that too fair enough okay what did you think of Yves Perisay for France just I was 
a little annoyed that she didn't start the game against Australia because I thought that was just I, I, okay. Not, not to take away from Elise Almeida's performance in the end. At the end of the day, it was better than I thought it would be. But I just thought Eve Paris should have started in the games that she did eventually come and start in the second and third group stage game, and the round of sixteen. I thought that she was she was really good and she gave France that balance. Um, so I would almost just give her a B just because I thought her impact was good. But you tell me. Yeah, I was again boring, but I'm 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 gonna agree with you on that as well. But but the thing is, it's it's kind of hard with these individual grades grades in teams that are so good, like you know yeah. France. That it's a good team, uh, and then they they don't make it. So obviously, it, it just we end up there. Like okay, she. She was. She is a good player. Probably she was kind of consistent as well. Uh, yeah. Like stable, but but they didn't won and they didn't make it. So yeah, a B. That's fair. Yeah, I think I think that's there. Okay, let's go on to Norway. Your neighbors. Um, we had Maren Mielda and Guru Reiten, uh over there. Um, Another. This is a hard one. I know because it's like yeah, overall yeah. they were horrendous, but at the same time, Guru played really well when she did play, and then you had Marmielda being the rock at the back. Like I, I, I I'm confused. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna give Guru a B, maybe Marin like a C plus. I, I don't know. It's difficult. What, what do you think? I'm gonna give. Guru and a B plus for the goal she scored <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> against yes. Japan. Uh, the plus is for the goal. I didn't like it at all this time that she played uh, in the central midfield, sort of a box to box role. I I actually I I saw Norway play against France in in the friendly tournament back in February, and then she also played this role, and she have been having this role and position for Norway. Uh, since Hegerisa took over. But during this tournament, I don't think that was the right choice to to put the WSL's best player, uh, I would say, uh, in a position like that where you can't get anything out of her uh, abilities to cross, uh, to shoot, uh, you know, everything. Uh, Norway just didn't have any left foot uh, on the left flank. And then you have Guru Reiten. Uh, so to me, that was... I felt kind of bad for her. Uh, because like you said, she she was one of Nor- Norway's best players in every game. But it just didn't happen for neither her or Norway. We can be, we can be honest to say yeah. that. You know, I agree. Anik now for uh, for the Netherlands. I I don't know. I, I just I gave her a D just because she did play some minutes, but just wasn't wasn't the greatest. Didn't inspire anybody. It was kind of like an invisible in there. I, just, I thought it just went poorly for her, and I think that maybe spells maybe the end of her career at Chelsea, and she's probably going to have to move on to to fascist. I gave her a D. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, you know, that defensive display 
she showed, uh, even if it just was that moment when Salma uh, scored for Spain, that wasn't brilliant defending. Uh, it wasn't was not good decision making uh, in that situation. I don't know if it's fair to to like decide on her whole World Cup tournament just because of that uh, moment, but somehow we end up there because because that was not good and. Yeah, so I'm gonna be again boring and uh, agree with you. <laughs> All right, no, fair enough. That's fine. Um, second last team, obviously, Mike Hamano got one minute on the pitch, so I don't think it's even worth bringing it up. But hey, listen, she made it on the pitch. Japan played well in general, so I think we'll probably see the best of her in the next couple of major tournaments there with the next generation of players coming in. So I've saved the best for last it's because you're on the show. I've left Sweden for last. Um, Good choice. So we had we had JRK, Johanna Ritzinkanorid, and Zichira Musevic. Now I can start, right? So yes. you can say that you agree with me for once. Yes, of course, exactly. So I'm yeah. going to let you yeah. go first. Uh, let's start off with JRK, and then I best, and then there's a lot to unpack with Musevic here. I think that Johanna Ritzinkanorid, what she showed uh, in the World Cup for Sweden, is what we have seen pretty much all season with Chelsea as well, last season. Uh, it's kind of inconsistent and she lacks in some moments. But for Sweden, she is that player you need to make it not predictable. Sometimes she, she performs really well and sometimes you really wish uh, that the last thing she she does on the ball before um, crossing it uh, or passing it or whatever um, needs to get better. So I I want to give her a B because she was um, she was you know a starting player for Sweden in this tournament. That was pretty obvious. No, that's fair. That's fair assessment. Like I'm. Yeah, not to be boring, um, but I agree with you because I think I think <laughs> the <laughs> we are very bad at this. We're very or we're good, amazing, or good. amazing depending duo. on how you see it. Yeah, exactly, amazing podcast duo. Um, no, I think I think with with JRK, I think you're right. It's been the same thing where we we've come to grow into knowing Johanna and Conrad is like this very consistently inconsistent player, but not in the sense that she's bad, but in the sense that. She's okay, but nothing really happens. And then one day you get something and then the next week you don't get something, but the performance in itself is not really that bad. It's just that she's just there, right? And so it's a weird situation to be in. And I think we can, let's let's judge her at the end of next season. So like the last player really is probably, if it wasn't for Jess Carter, I think the Chelsea player of the of the, of the, of the tournament is Nzichir Musevic with... Um, an amazing set of performances. I think my favorite performance was the one against the U.S. It's what an, uh, probably one of the best goalkeeping performances I've ever uh, I've ever seen. But um, you tell me. I mean, I I think it's an obvious A star rating for me for Zichira. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about that. I think um, to me, I think 
it's it's kind of emotional as well because I I've been speaking to her a little bit, you know, and I know how much she wanted this and how much she has trained uh, to get there. So it it's kind of like yeah, my heart really. I'm not gonna say beats beats for her, but you know, uh, I feel like this was her moment, and she really took care of that moment uh, in a good way. Uh, I hope that she will kind of kind of be acknowledged for this World Cup because it's very interesting, like like you said, that AKB hasn't played at all for Germany. Uh, but she has been, she has been, uh, or she might even be Chelsea's number one keeper uh, still. And then we have Sechira Muzovic, who who has been fighting uh, to be a number one keeper. And now she's Sweden's number one keeper. And I mean, Sweden played good teams uh, to to get to that bronze medal. And so, yeah. Her performance to me, it's like that. That's a plus plus. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought, I thought, I just thought that. Again, if we're talking about players who would have used this World Cup to cement their places or prove that they should be starting for their clubs, I think Zichir is probably one that stood there and went. In a, in a time where there are four starting goalkeepers at Chelsea, which is unreal to think there's four potentially starting goalkeepers there. And when her real, it's like she's been the, the second longest of the goalkeepers. AKB's obviously was the for number one, but she's trying to you know get to AKB's spot. And then she looks at Nikki Evrod, who did amazing for last season at the Euros. That's why she was signed. And we have Hannah Hampton, who's got the biggest potential possibly of, of the four goalkeepers come in. And then she goes, well, I need to smash this for Sweden. She does that. And then you kind of look at Emma Hayes and go, so what? Then she basically is giving Emma Hayes a potential headache, right? And this, this could have just now changed the plans of what they do with the four goalkeepers, right? You know, I mean, in my mind now, it's pretty obvious. You've got to send Nikki Evrod and Hannah Hampton out on loan and you've got to let it fight out between AKB and Musevic. And, between them, I wouldn't even be opposed to having a Champions League goalkeeper and a WSL goalkeeper. Because if that's the only way you can keep them happy and then whoever does better to push them into the other one, because then you need to give them an equal number of games to prove themselves. And I think that's the best way because Chelsea most likely going to qualify for the next round of the Champions League. So giving, let's say, the cheer of the Champions League games and letting her prove herself there and then let AKB do it in the, in the WSL... Whoever does better and is not playing as well, you can always try and push that player into that other tournament. So saying, look, if you're starting here and you're starting here, your job is to try and get into this team and your try is to get into this team. And then you, that way you're building that competition and you go there. And at least then it gives someone, both goalkeepers, a sense of like, oh, we're still important because we're playing the big games, one's playing Champions League and one's playing all the WSL games. So I think for me, that's the fairest way to go about this. But you know what? That's a, it's a good podcast. I enjoyed that. Um, thank you for coming. Even though on, we Mia. agreed on everything, I know, so. I know. We yeah, just, yeah. you know, it's just great. It's just, it's great podcasting. We agreed in a lot of a stuff. A non-fighting but... podcast. <laughs> to be fair, I don't even know how many times we've ever disagreed on things, but we'll leave that for another time. Anyway, Mia, where can people find you? 
Yeah, you can find me. Are we going to say X now? Uh, Mia underscore Ericsson with what Ericsson as we say in Sweden. Ericsson. There we yeah. go. We got we got to go with the accent. We got to go with the accent. Anyway, Jesse and I will be back next week at some point. Back to your regular viewing schedule or listening schedule as as you would have it. But anyway, keep uh, thank you everybody for listening. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>